This is Mouth Media Network, audio for business. Hi, I'm Nancy Berger. I'm the Senior Vice President and Chief Revenue Officer of the Young Women's Group at Hearst. Um, that includes some iconic brands, which are Cosmopolitan, um, a little brand that most people have heard of, Women's Health, very relevant right now, and Seventeen, which is all about the seven years that you're a teenager when you do all of your firsts. Um, what I love about innovation is finding the next big thing. And it's my passion, and it's the thing that's driven me through my entire career. From New York City, you're listening to Fashion Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the fashion industry. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another of our many episodes of Fashion Is Your Business. We are so happy you're here with us. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Rico, and uh, of course, uh, staring directly at me, our good friend, Mr. Pavan Ball of Bellwether Culture. Hey, Pavan, how are you? Hey, you, Mark. How you doing? Good. You're still recording uh, from Florida, uh, so <gasps> we we may hear you're not in a soundproof booth. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, there's a beyond the tremendous echo, there's also a bit of a romper room uh, scene going on around me. So do 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 mind the, the, the kiddos running around. Uh, it's fine. You know, it's no bit different than being in New York City and the world exists around you. I kind of like that, actually. It's like we're not in a vacuum. Life is happening. It, 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 is, it is a plentiful, bountiful life happening over here. So can't <laughs> complain, right. man. Well, speaking of bountiful, I don't really know what that means, but I feel as if we have received a bounty by the pleasure of having Nancy Berger join us. She's such an – Nancy, you're such – an accomplished person who uh, presides over uh, meaningful aspects of iconic uh, media brands. Uh, we are uh, we are so happy that you've joined us and are excited for the conversation ahead. Thank you. Thank you. It's so good to be here. I'm jealous about being in Florida yeah. versus being in uh, snowy, cold New York right now. It's not the worst, but I am scared of the people here. <laughs> Most, mostly, no. mostly because they are not scared of COVID. I yes. know. I know. So here we are. That and alligators. That and alligators. Can you go visit my parents though? They could use <laughs> they're down there. They could use they could use a visit. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll come bearing gifts uh, uh, on your you. direction. Thank you. Beautiful. I love it. All right, Nancy. Uh well on that on that uh, I'd love to lead off just with a, a question unrelated to what has brought us together today. I just want to ask you how you're doing. And and I mean that both from a personal standpoint, you know, given what all of us are are dealing with these days. I want to ask how you're doing from a personal basis, if I may, but also um, I like to ask in terms of the things over which you have a certain purview, um, you know, how that's going. And I, and I mean less like how's the balance sheet looking. I mean it more from the standpoint of like, you know, um, how are people doing? Like how, how are you, uh, with being on mission or, or adjusting to the, the realities that there, that nobody can escape from. Yeah. Well, on the personal side, um, the biggest thing that's happened to me over the pandemic is I adopted a puppy, oh, yeah, which I never was able to do because I travel and my hours are crazy and all of those things, but I have a puppy 
And that has just given me such joy and happiness and N has name, really name. We helped. have to know the name. Oh, her name is Sharla, C-H-A-R-L-A. She was named by my children. And um, she keeps growing, so she's too big to actually take to Florida now. They don't think they let her on the planes. Um, but, you know, it's a crazy time. I mean, personally, it's been crazy. My son graduated from college last year from my living room. And um, my other son is in college, but all virtual classes. Um, from a professional standpoint, you know, we've adjusted as a team to working remotely. There are certainly great benefits to working remotely, and there are also, you know, a, a downside. Um, in fact, I've hired a couple of people during the pandemic that I have not actually met in person. And I was thinking this week, I don't even know how tall they are. No idea. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I mean, the onboarding of new team members, I mean, you're essentially letting people into your family, right? Your professional family. Yes. And uh, the fact that you don't know the, the most basic and simplest things of, uh, of them is, is... Yeah. It's a tough one. But on the other hand, you do know, like... Their, their living environment, you see them in their home, you see their dog sleeping on the couch, you hear their child in the background. So there's some kind of intimacy that replaces those things that you that you normally would be your cues to understanding somebody, right? You know, you're, uh, so t speaking of disruptions uh, in, in, you know, our day-to-day -day and just kind of how, uh, you know, we, we approach life, I mean, it's arguably the... I guess the population that's been affected the most has been, uh, you know, the folks that read your publications, the the folks that are, you know, in their teens and tweens and uh, going into the young adult life. Uh, they've been at a standstill socially, um, both from, you know, the educational uh, aspects as well as just being able to to be a kid um, yeah. and engage in yeah. the activities that they've, you know, that, that have well defined their life up into their, their short lives up until this point. And, you know, I'm wondering so how true. you've adapted to, uh, you know, your audience's priorities over the last, let's say, you know, 10 to 12 months. It's such a good question. You know, the, one of the big pillars for 17 has always been prom, right? So March 19th, we were all out of the office and no one was having a prom. And um, we really had to think about how to still celebrate this, you know, important time in young people's lives. And they didn't really want to miss it, but it was going to look different. And so we were one of the first brands to actually pivot to a virtual event. And we did a virtual prom. And it was fun. And, you know, we had a lot of engagement and we had some sponsors who were really interested in being a part of it. And it was kind of the beginning of a new path in, in, in the way to think about how to continue to engage with our community. Um, the second thing that happened shortly after was a project that we had been working on for several months um, leading into the pandemic, which was a big initiative on college campuses. And obviously, we weren't going to be on college campuses anymore. This was for Cosmo. And so that project actually pivoted to a virtual series of classes that were taught by various experts in different fields on topics that you don't really learn in college and your parents don't really teach you. And it could be anything from mental health issues to how to handle your finances, all kinds of adulting topics. 
And because that went, you know, through a virtual experience versus an IRL experience, we actually had such a huge success to that program with 64,000 downloads of these classes. Um, and we were really excited because it became what would have been a regionalized program immediately was able to become a national program. And we really filled a need for students who were so disrupted in their lives to give them a sense of um, you know, learning things and building a community and, and being there for them during this time of their lives. I mean, look, that that's inc- that's an incredibly fast pivot or adoption, I would say, to to the times. Uh, I'm assuming, you know, the, the publications, whether it be Cosmo or other ones, they didn't offer classes prior to this, correct? We never offered classes. Yeah. Um, and But, you know, again, we had been thinking about doing this type of programming on campuses. We called it extracurricular. Um, We had a fantastic sponsor. We have a fantastic sponsor, which is Dell Computers. And um, they were promoting a new laptop. I mean, obviously, right now, we're all using our laptops more than ever. So it was really a pivotal time for that launch, too. And it really worked. And we're working on our spring um, class schedule right now. But having two college students, one who is now graduated, you know, I saw firsthand the struggles that they had, and we were hearing it from our own audience that they were looking to Cosmo, for example, as an escape from all the rest of the news that was going on, or women's health, when all the gyms were closed, we needed to pivot. And again, we were one of the first brands to start to offer virtual workout classes and support the trainers that all of a sudden had no clients, had no platform, had no opportunity to help train their, um, you know, their, their clientele. And so we gave them that. So with each of the brands, um, we really had to think about how we could serve our, um, our audience best. And, and I, I actually think we've done a, a great job. I have fantastic editors on all of my brands who really, you know, helped work through this to create fantastic programming. It is such a complex number of priorities to balance, I imagine, because the things you talked about, we need to serve our brands. We, we want to serve uh, the public and, and our, our, our audience. Um, we want to be meaningful and provide the distraction that people are needing, just all the things you said. But, but equally so, we hear from so many people, as you have, how many people have gone through a sort of personal, um, you know, reevaluation of what hmm. is important in life. And many people have been shedding what they, they, they now see as trivialities to them and, re, re, you know, focusing on things that may be, you know, le- less pop culture related or less this or less that. But on, on the other hand, other people are um, deciding that it is time to to be less serious and enjoy life more. So there's kind of a, a trade-off. So my, I guess my question is, how, how have you balanced all of the things you were just talking about mm-hmm. with also your audience that have, has wondered when, you know, yesterday this type of content was important to me and today I'm thinking about other things. How are you making sure to magnetize still to those people? 
Well, the good thing about what we do is we're engaging with an audience in real time, right? So we know what they're thinking. You know, we, we're monitoring um, not only their behavior, but also what's on their minds. And so that really helps us, you know, kind of put them at the center. Like we always say with Cosmo, we're the voice of a generation, but a place where that generation has a voice. And I think that's really important. So we knew the things that they were concerned about and scared about through this process. We also, you know, were an advocate of things, you know, very early on. Like, for example, um, we spent an enormous amount of money polybagging masks onto targeted copies of Cosmo in the states where we saw the biggest jump in, um, in cases in the virus. And that just felt really great, you know, that we could do that. Um, we, you know, the conversations were important and I think, uh, the younger demographic had different concerns, as, as you said, than an older demographic. And we really needed to tap into, to help them in their disrupted life. How could we normalize it in, in some way? And could we be a resource for them to go to, to express that and to get some information? Well, well look, I mean, digital and particularly uh, consumption on digital for content has been a shining uh, star amidst uh, businesses and COVID. Uh, the flip side of that, the advertising dollars have, of course, been a bit depressed for obvious reasons, the uncertainty of the market overall and uh, whatever it might be. So the priorities seemed on your side, um, I gather, is that it, it shifted into providing value, driving value versus figuring out, let's say, new revenue streams. But assuming that things come full circle and all the efforts that you're putting into, whether it be the classes and, and the community builds that you're doing around that, how do you anticipate this kind of kind of turning the corner when uh, when the ad dollars do come back and the, and the companies want to be um, robustly involved again? Well, I have a philosophy that big ideas are something that marketers look for. And um, especially this year, as some companies took a pause, but not all companies took a pause, but, you know, many did. Um, it also gave them an opportunity to think about how they're going to come back. Right. And so they're looking for um, they're looking for ideas that connect to whatever their audience is. So for us, like we know our audience so well, they're looking for ideas and they're thinking differently. Like the, the, the automatic pilot of putting a media plan together was broken. And now it's really, you know, there's new platforms to consider. There's, there's, there's new offerings out there or sponsorship money that always went to one thing every year, all of a sudden has freed up to maybe do something else. And I think it's a really exciting time. And I love that not only am I a magazine and I'm a website and I'm social and experiential, I mean... I really have so many toys in the sandbox to put together very creative and, you know, again, as I said about innovation, innovative thinking and innovative ideas, taking my audience and all the things I know about my audience and bringing that in a unique way to these clients. So I've seen it already, you know, with, you know, the, the programs that we have launched in the last year, obviously, I know we're going to talk about 
holiday, our shopping event. But that's a that you know it was a huge initiative that we launched in in August of last year, and will continue. Um, but we got the meetings, you know, we got the meetings with the highest level people. Sometimes it's even easier to get the meetings when it's a Zoom meeting and they can be sitting in their house and they just have to jump on a call. Yeah, that's a good point. So, for that for that friction to, to be removed is, is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, coming up, uh, Nancy will share some insights on con- changing consumer behavior and we'll get a, a look at a holiday. Uh, which is of particular appeal to millennials and Gen Z right after this. If you run a brick and mortar store, guess what? You have a problem. Retail storefronts can't drive immediate conversion and you can only have so many shoppers inside safely. Any hours you're closed, you can't make sales there. And if you make product, your product packaging is static by nature. It can't be continuously updated, which limits the consumer experience. The next time your customer might interface with you is probably when they need to buy something else sometime in the future. Even more importantly, retail storefronts and product packages both lack a human connection. Are you able to tell the same stories in your own voice to your customers like you used to in the past? Social distancing, the move to commerce, or you've just grown beyond that opportunity? You need to take a look at StoryDot. Engaging the customer throughout their journey from store to website to product packaging, StoryDot supports a quick, contact-free, physical-to-digital transition, letting you tell your story to the customer and enable them to take action and motivate them to share that story on social media. No matter where that customer is, they can hear the exact story you need them to hear. And that can convert into sales and elevate their experience and turn them into your marketers when they share on social media. And key user data is generated, providing more mapping of the relationship with customers. You need to see StoryDot in action and explore how StoryDot can connect the dots between you and customers. So visit www.storydot.com. That's www.storydot.com. You know, Nancy, uh, you know, traditionally, of course, in the ad, um, the, the, the publisher model, I guess, is really you're, you're selling ad based on impressions and engagement, right? And, um, you know, what's interesting about what has COVID has done is that it has accelerated things, right, uh, across the board. Um, and business models in particularly, including publishing, has really needed to adapt. And I assume that because you guys are so swiftly able to uh, turn on, let's say, a commerce focus. Uh, I presume that uh, the ideas were already bubbling, right, pre-COVID. And uh, you know, what, what maybe the uh, the disruption in business or the uh, had you know it forced you and forced like many others to really make that leap and make that jump. Now with publishers, I've always found it fascinating that they have not traditionally taken a more commerce a commerce approach. Uh, 
uh, I'm a commerce strategist, a retail strategist. So for me, it's like, wow, you have, you have the audience, right? So how do you turn that audience and make it into a community and then make that community into a productive selling point? And I don't mean affiliate links and all that stuff where everyone's been so, uh, forgive me, uh, but, but I think lazy in terms of approaching commerce, um, uh, into making it into a real robust opportunity. I'm so curious to hear about what you've done with a campaign called Holiday, um, which was piloted in August and you're having your second iteration uh, just coming up in early March. Yes, um, which we're so excited about. Um, Listen, the magazine business has always been about connecting people to things that they'll enjoy, right? It's always been a targeted community. Um, but attribution's always been a little bit of a challenge for, for print magazines. You know, I remember having a salesperson in a store with a tear sheet from a client saying, you know, can I buy this watch? And that was, you know, that was what we used as our ROI. You know, obviously now we still are driving sales, but there are definitely more metrics attached to it. Um, for Cosmo in particular, we are the largest young women's media brand in the U.S., as well as the world, actually, with all of our editions. And because of that, we have scale and we have the attention of consumers that really matter to marketers right now. Gen Z and millennials, you know, when you look at not only just today, but also over the next five to 10 years, like this is where the money is and this is the, you know, where they have to build brand loyalties. I mean, with Gen Z, they don't even have brand loyalties yet. So they're just beginning. So this is a really, really important demographic. And we know a lot about them. We know what's what's important to them, what they're shopping for. I mean, our affiliate business um, has been up 300%, 301% actually, um, this past year. But beyond just the number, it's also about what they're buying, when they're shopping. Like we get a lot of information from that. And as a result, you know, and we look at the scale of how much they spent last year, our audience spent $9.9 billion through our commerce platform. We know content leads to commerce always, and so we want to close that loop. Um, and Holiday was a way for us to really capture the strength that we had, always had, to be able to introduce, become a discovery place where you could learn about something new, be inspired when you see what the next fashion you know, trend is going to be, um, you know, give you a kind of a reason to, to go out and spend some money on yourself. So we've always done that. With Holiday, we actually are now declaring two days, 48 hours, twice a year, when you are really encouraged to go treat yourself to something because at the end of the day, particularly now, we all deserve it. And sometimes you just need a little permission to go do that. And that was really the the impetus for holiday. We knew there was so much pent up demand and we really wanted to tap into it and really close that. Loop. And do you mind walking us through the journey of holidays? Yes, I'm so happy to. Um, the inspiration for holiday came from Singles Day in China, actually, on 11-11, right? It's the largest shopping day 
$40 billion worth of sales, you know, surpasses Prime Day and Black Friday and Cyber Monday. I mean, it's really an interesting um, case study on, on shopping. And what fascinated me about it was there was no um, similar type of an event that was happening in the United States. Um, the idea to create a holiday, right? Prime, you know, Amazon did it with Prime Day. I mean, the truth is Mother's Day, Father's Day, Valentine's Day, they're also made up holidays, Yeah, they're, right? they're for commerce. Right. So, but they're, the opportunity to create a new holiday and, you know, make that relevant to this generation was really appealing to us. And again, because we have this, the scale and audience, we knew we could actually move the needle. So we um, we had the idea. This was pre-COVID where we started talking about holiday. And originally it was going to be kind of a combination of physical and digital, which I think it will probably be that at some point. Um, we found the best partner with holiday, which is a buy now, pay later platform called Klarna. And um, we were very excited about partnering with Klarna because they are really in the sweet spot of what this demographic cares about when they are spending money because they're so debt averse. They've seen what happens to their parents. Um, they do budget paycheck to paycheck. Um, Klarna, with their four easy payments, no interest, really taps into the way they want to shop. And Klarna got it immediately. You know, they're, they're also a global brand. And so they felt that we were the right partner. Our branding and messaging um, and aesthetic is very similar. So we went down this path together and we built Holiday. I love the name Holiday because it is a play on holiday, but also it's about the hall, H-A-U-L, right? And it's not just about what you buy, but it's also how you enjoy it and how you want to share it. And, you know, we do that socially, digitally, in every way. And so that was really built into this as well. And we also knew that our audience cared about deals. They wanted to get things that were special and maybe couldn't be gotten all the time, or they got a really great offer that was only available to them for a small period of time like Prime Day, except Prime Day isn't really targeting this demographic, and they're not shopping for vacuum cleaners. They want the Dyson hairdryer. You know, they want the new Dior lipstick. And so that became our offering. Klarna has a uh, merchant base that was also very synergistic to the um, to the retailers and brands that we knew our audience shopped in. So that made sense as well. And um, and we built it. We built it together, and that's been great. So, are are you tapping into the Klarna customer base? Are you um, onboarding? How, what is, how does the brand relationship look like? So we co-promote this. So of course, their their base, which is also growing significantly, and our base, um, both are excited about holiday. And um, Cosmo creates the content that starts to get people excited about it and we put it in context and it's curated by our editors. So we're bringing something very different to the table. Um, our content 
um, when we launched it, lived on Klarna's app, which was also great. So you really felt that synergy. Um, again, you had to be a Klarna merchant in order to participate. And as they've continued to grow their merchants, we've been able to grow the partnership and, and, and bring in new, new retailers into the fold as we go into 2021. Um, but it's a passion project, not just for the business side, but also for our editorial side, because they love what we're doing and they love picking the great, the great deals and, and showing them off. And so it just became, you know, a win-win across both of our communities, which are, you know, kind of the same community. So I, I, have, I have a few questions that have been bubbling in my head, Nancy, that I'm, I'm dying to ask you. One is, this is the first year for this? This is launching? So August, um, August of 2020 is when we launched it. 2020. Okay, we sorry. plan okay. to do uh, two holidays a year. So our second holiday, which is the first of 21, is March 1st and 2nd. What learnings did you get from the last time or from the initial launch about to what degree this created additional spending where there would not have been spending versus a redistribution of spending from mm -hmm. other times? Because the, there's only so much money to go around for the average spender. So am I just going to say, oh, another chance to buy stuff and I, I wouldn't have bought stuff, but now I'm buying stuff? Or am I just using this to buy instead of this other time? Okay, that's, and then, uh, yeah, go ahead and answer that if, if you'd be so um, Well, the timing was really important to us because we wanted it to happen at a time where it wasn't necessarily a big shopping moment normally. You know, again, if you think about Prime Day, Prime Day used to be in July, right? Who was shopping in July? Nobody. So we wanted to preempt pre-fall by doing it in early August and really become an accelerator to, to the retail experience. And I think that will happen also with March 1st and 2nd. So it's at a time that it's, 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 it is, I think, creating added um, retail sales um, okay. just based on that. And and then the sort of the second part of that is is obviously I'm sure the vision is for this to go well beyond your reach and your partner's reach, but to be adopted by brands in general as you know, something to make it huge, right? And how so? How are you how are you thinking about ways that you can communicate this to brands and have them see it, not just as another gimmick they can use in their marketing, but as, as sort of a genuine thing they really magnetize to and add to their cycle of the way they think about the year going as they plan way ahead too. Yeah. Um, how are you, how are you communicating that with them and how are you, how are you recruiting them in? Yeah. So I think that um, retailers and brands have been very excited about this. You know, again, any new way to engage this audience makes them happy. And, um, and of course, they want to be very relevant. We're also adding new things based on our learnings from the first holiday into this one, including new platforms that are going to be introduced. So for example, um, we are working with Macy's for the March 1st and 2nd holiday, and we are going to be introducing our live stream social shopping that will be happening out of the Macy's 34th Street store um, for those two days. Now, live stream shopping, again, such an emerging huge trend. We are really excited about it. 
Um, Cosmo is a brand that there, there's, I mean, it's a sweet spot for us and we certainly have the credibility to do it. So to be able to bring this community into 34th Street with a curated experience on what our, um, you know, our editors love about, you know, shopping in Macy's, for example, um, just adds a whole other level to it. And that's how we want brands to be thinking. And that's what we're talking about um, with the brands that are participating is how can we put even more of a spotlight? How can we create even more excitement? And we're having conversations with CEOs and CMOs um, in a very different way than we ever have before as we continue to build this platform. And that's the exciting thing because we also get a peek under the hood on what's keeping them up at night, what new technologies they're thinking about. Or if I say live stream shopping, you know, we've accelerated a way for them to do it. And so that's really beneficial too. I, I am with you on live stream shopping. I think, I mean, look again, our, our neighbors to the East have been, um, have already adopted uh, that medium as a way of shopping uh, like crazy, right? So if you're taking inspiration yes. from, you know, um, Singles Day and, and live stream shopping, it seems that you're ahead of the trend of what's hitting here in the U.S., that's for sure. Um, I, I really feel that we're, you know, you're going to see more of this absolutely. after. You know, I, I think you're going to see more manufactured holidays. I think you're going to see more live stream. I think the way that we're going, and again, you know, we get to innovate because we understand this demographic so well and we know what they're going to respond to. It makes it much easier. Nancy, what are the access points? Um, so are we are you leveraging TikTok, uh, you know, Facebook and of course it's it's um, uh, Instagram portal uh is it web-based? Okay. Tell, tell me, Everything. tell me about the, the user journey of this. How do I access it? How do I engage? Um, and, and how am I shopping? Yeah. Well, you're, you know, first of all, if you've gotten your current issue of Cosmo, you've already like been teased that it's happening. Um, and in a few weeks, you're going to start seeing our pre-promotion leading up to it. I mean, we're going to get you there. And then, of course, over those 48 hours, we're really going to make that the experience. You know, that that is the shopping experience. We've got influencers that we're working with, um, the brands that we're working with. There's over 50 brands and retailers that we're working with. They have some really exciting deals and fun, just surprisingly, you know, good reasons to say, yep, I'm going to make that purchase today. Um, and we play that out across every single platform that we have. You know, we create content for our website and we've got video and we've got TikTok and we, you know, we have it all. I mean, that's the, that's the beauty of having a brand like Cosmo where we have big audiences across all of these platforms. I mean, to even give you a little peek under the hood, this isn't even a finalized thing, but we're talking internally about what we can do with Clubhouse, right? I mean, an emerging new social platform. We think that holiday makes sense there. So we're having those conversations too, and hopefully we'll be able to integrate that. Um, we, you know, the the great thing is we get to be nimble. We get to be, um, you know, we get to be at the forefront of, of you know, how each of those platforms works best and, um, and really tap into the audience for each. So 
all of that is really, really important to us. And, you know, and our affiliate business will benefit from this too. And, um, and, and that's always a good thing as well. So it really is kind of a win-win for everybody. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see how Gen Z uh, engages. Um, and because, I mean, they have almost the equivalent spending power as millennials now, right? So you're looking at $150 billion versus $200 billion. It's marginal essentially the and uh at, to your point uh, i love that you said that is that you know these are folks that have not built brand affinities necessarily yet and and the and their reasoning and their intent of purchase is so different than what we've seen in the past and you know some something like a you know a set, whether it's 17 or cosmo your publications they your your profile of audience is an age that stays static where your audience grows and you stay static. So you have to actually change the way that you communicate, the words that you use, the platforms that you use. It's, it's a really interesting um, time to, to see this transition from millennials to Gen Z. And as brands are super late to the party, you've probably been thinking about Gen Z's for, for years now. So, yeah, you know, yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, we actually say our audience is Gen Now. That's spot on. Right now it's millennial. That's right. And Gen Z. But in a minute, it's going to be Gen Z and alpha. So you don't want to hang your hat on necessarily a generation. It's really an age. You know, it's really a time in your life. And whatever it's called, we're going to be relevant to to that. And we're going to speak to them. You know, I, I do this thing... Our, me and our and our art director, we have fun with this. We do what's called the Gen Now Dictionary, and we do it every few months. And it's literally taking the vernacular that you find in our magazine and on our site. But unless you're 20 years old, you may not know these words. You may not know the acronyms. And as a marketer, you do need to know them. A hundred percent. You need to know them. So <laughs> it's our it's our you know commitment to the marketing you know scene to make sure that we continue to educate and bring them the best information because not only do they need to be relevant, but if they are off by a little bit, that's a problem. And by working with us, it kind of is safeguarding brands to make sure, you know, everybody has a 20 year old person that they know lives in their household. They're related to one people focus groups everywhere, right? I watch what my kids do and I'm like, oh, well, that's what everybody's doing. But for us, we really get to put, you know, a spotlight on what is this demographic doing and how can we help marketers? Nancy, um, have you uh, have you come across the work of Ziad Ahmed by chance? Uh, he's a Gen Z marketer. He, he runs a consulting firm called Juve Consulting, which is all made of – he's a Princeton, current Princeton student and uh, just a breakaway agency winner uh, where his, I love this. his agency is just comprised of only Gen Zers talking to brands on how to communicate with them. It is well, it's tremendous. So smart. It's so smart. I mean, we have actually, we have a group of um, readers that our advertisers can tap into also for that same purpose, you know, and for us, I don't know how he gets his group, you know, for us, 
you know, again, it's a it's a community of like minded in a way people. Also, you know, diverse because Cosmos Cosmos audience really does reflect the population, and we always have. So that's in a very authentic way. So I think that's really important as well. But um, I I love hearing that, and I would love to meet him if you if you make the introduction. I would I would so be happy. happy to. He's such a gem of a guy, and um, yeah. just a, a definitely a public a public advocate uh, for for everyone yeah. for humans. I just I really yeah I appreciate I mean, following even him. when we're when we're putting together our ideas, you know, we always tap into our experts, right? Our audience to make sure it's going to resonate, which, you know, allows us to not really make too many mistakes. That's great. You should also know about, if you don't, uh, Sophie Barron, who has a, a organization called The Conversational List, which is about uh, uh, helping to communicate complex and important issues in ways that uh, Gen Zers will absorb and and take in, and uh, and she's a significant community specifically of Gen Zers. So another another resource for you. I love that. I, I think it's really important. You know, it's really important to understand this demographic. They're they're really complicated, and Gen Z and Millennials look very differently. They they buy very differently. The you know the values that that they look for. Like we always say. You know, Gen Z, they read the fine print in an ad or on a package. You know, they want to know. And that's really, really important. I love, so, I love um, it. They are, they are the generation that's going to actually push us forward. That's it. So. I think they're the generation that's going to save the world. I, 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 totally, I, do, I truly believe it, too. I, I, I do, too. And you know what's interesting when you talk to this demographic? They... They're already at a very young age talking about their career. They're talking about how to invest money. They're all investing their money now. They're 20 years old and they're they're thinking about the stock market in ways that we never did. I never did. No one ever taught me. Um, so yeah, they just they think so differently. They shop differently. It's not, you know, they don't they don't need a lot. They just they but they when they pick the thing, it it, it there's a purpose to it, you know. And I think everything is changing. You know, the travel experience is changing a lot because of this demographic. And I mean, everything is changed. Home, everything changes. Well, something that is also going to be changing and to employ a millennial term, I'm sorry, not sorry that we're going to be doing it. Uh, something's going to be changing is we're going to be moving for, uh, into our final segment of, of the show, uh, a lightning round of off the grid questions where we get uh, into the human side of Nancy Berger, as if this hasn't all been the human <laughs> side right after this. Culture starts at the top and great customer experience. The only competitive strategy in today's world is fueled by great leadership. We hear and read this every day, but many brands don't drive customer-first strategy. For those at the top who want to make that leap but don't know how, we'll learn from leaders who share what you must do to become customer-centric. I am Liliana Petrova, and this is The One Thing. The One Thing, customer experience from the top, is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever the best podcasts are found. 
And now, it's time for Questions Off The Grid, with fashion is your business. All right, everybody, it's time for Off The Grid questions where we get, uh, we go off the grid, a little more personal in nature with our questions to determine the order of the questions. You know it, we do it, we spin the gigantic wheel of grid destiny to determine the order the questions are asked. Uh, and I'm going to give that wheel a big giant spin round, 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 round. And it has landed on Puppet. Thank, thank you, Mark, <laughs> AKA the wheel. Um, so you guys are, you are you're actually scaring me right now. Oh. All right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just curious about your, you know, it taking a, a a step back into memory lane, uh, when you were of the profile of folks that are in your intended audience today. So, um, you know, let's say the, the, they're late teen going into early twenties, um, uh, profile. Uh, what was your relationship to magazine and magazines and books? So I've always been a consumer of media always my dad worked for NBC News as a as a news journalist every magazine that i could get my hands on starting as like you know 12 years old i, I you know i always had subscriptions to magazines i was excited to get teen beat i don't want to date myself so much but anyway whatever the magazines were then i was reading them 17 obviously a bible um, by the time i got to cosmo oh my god that was just life changing um, and I still to this day, not that I've been in an airport lately, but there, there actually is a term for this. It, it's a disease, actually, of people who have a fear of running out of things to read on an airplane. There's a name for it. I have that. So I would easily spend any time, $100 at Hudson News in an airport to buy every magazine. And I knew I was traveling too much for business when um, I had bought all the magazines and I had read them all. So magazines were always something I was really interested in. Um, but when I was in college, um, in one of my marketing classes, somebody came to speak who worked for a fashion magazine. And she was the publisher of a fashion magazine. And I wanted to be her. The more she spoke, I knew that that was my path in life. Um, her name is Kathy Leventhal. And um, that put me on my, my mission to actually make my passion of magazines and media a reality. And um, fast forward, I ended up working for Kathy um, when I went to Vanity Fair. She was the publisher. And then fast forward, I became Kathy because she was the uh, launch publisher for Allure magazine, and I became the publisher of Allure magazine in 2000. So um, I, my path was set, but I still love magazines. Um, I love media. I, um, I'm just obsessed with knowing kind of what's happening. Reading is an important thing, I think, for everybody, but just kind of taking in Content is something that I've always loved. Packaging it and making it really interesting and compelling is something that I love to do. Oh, thank you. And I believe that, that term maybe... Was that a very long answer to that question? It's great. It's great. And is the term you were referring to uh, a bibliophobia? Yes. A bibliophobia? I got to yeah. remember. Yes. So, yes, no, I looked yes, it up. Yes. I'm not smart enough to just know that. Yes, I'm just saying that it. is yeah. it. It's a real thing, it. right? It's a real thing. Fear of running out of things to read on the airplane. I know. All right, another quick spin of the wheel, and uh, the the uh, 
question will come to me. And the question I have is, Nancy, going way back as far as you can in your life, even to being a child, not that it's that far, just to be clear, but I'm saying uh, going back even to childhood, what is the first time that you remember being involved with a piece of commerce? Meaning the first time you sold something, maybe the first time you marketed something, the first time you were trying to get the word out, first time you were I know, I can tell you. Tell me. I, when I was six years old, I did a muscular dystrophy carnival in my backyard. (laughs) Wow. And I remember the most exciting part of it was I had a toy cash register. I really was into having my own cash register. Wow. Um, And I I lived in Chicago. I grew up in Chicago. So my whole backyard, carnival, I bought the kit that you got from Muscular Dystrophy Association. I marketed it. I did flyers to get people there. I involved every single person in my community and family to be a part of it. I had my poor father standing there with people throwing wet sponges at his face um, for, you know, a dollar, whatever. Um, I remember that thrill of kind of controlling a shopping (laughs) environment, basically. Um, You know, fast forward, um, when I was at Mary Claire, I opened a store in Soho on Wooster Street, um, which was a pop-up shop called The Next Big Thing. And that was the exact same feeling, like walking into like a store that we had curated and that we had built and it was our vision and there was a cash register. It wasn't really cash register. It was actually frictionless shopping, Um, but it felt the same, that thrill, uh, you know, and I get it every time I walk into a a store as well. That is a great story. I'm so happy I asked that question and what a nice little journey. Thank you so much. Well, uh, I wish we had another hour with you, Nancy Berger. I really do. I feel we could touch on another hundred important topics, but this has been a great ride. We're so happy you've joined us on Fashion Is Your Business. How can people connect either with you directly or certainly at least with uh, the holiday uh, world that you are building? Yeah, so please come to um, CosmoMag.com. Come see our content. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, everything. Um, participate March 1st and 2nd. Save your dollars to spend on those two days and treat yourself to something great. Um, and then for me, I mean, I'm so happy for anybody who's listening to who wants to reach out to me. I would love to hear from them. My email is nberger at hearst.com. And um, I really, really appreciate you guys um, taking the time to talk about the exciting things that we're doing. And um, I really think you do a great job in educating and bringing humanity into the business of fashion. So thank you for that. Thank you, Nancy. That means a lot. Really appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, Nancy. It was wonderful to spend time with you and, and wonderful to spend time with you, our listeners. Well, it's been great to have you along. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week, of course, for another wonderful guest and great conversation. Until then, uh, for Pub and Ball. Thanks so much. Shake it easy. I'm Mark Rico. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye. This has been Fashion Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2021. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network. 
and find prior episodes at fashionisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Thank you for listening. Thank you.